Jesus, thank you so much, Lord. We thank you for being our Savior. We thank you for being our King. And we thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for your love. And I thank you that your Holy Spirit is already moving upon us. And now I ask that you would bless your word, that you would anoint it, God. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, a mind to understand, and a heart to receive everything that you have for us. So we give you this time, and we ask for your blessing. In Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. All right. I was reading in this old Reader's Digest, a woman uh, named Jay Mitchell submitted this funny experience that she had. So she writes this. My brother adopted a snake named Slinky, whose most disagreeable trait was eating live mice. Once I was pressed into going to the pet store to buy Slinky's dinner. The worst part of this wasn't choosing the juiciest looking creatures or turning down the clerk who wanted to sell me vitamins to ensure their longevity. (laughs) She said the hardest part was carrying the poor things out in a box bearing the words, thank you for giving me a home. (laughs) Well, the words right on the side of the box, they're, they're really a facade. They're not really real uh, you could say it, with everything that's going to happen to them it was it was fake right well tonight as we return to our study here in the book of luke jesus confronts the jewish religious leaders and how they are actually masquerading or they actually have masks on about their spiritual godliness And that's not what they really are on the inside. They may look like that on the inside, but not, I mean, on the outside, but not on the inside. So the title of our message is The Spiritual Masquerade. The Spiritual Masquerade. Now we're going to be in Luke chapter 11. We're going to pick it up from verse 37. Last week we left off on verse 36. And we're going to go all the way to the end of the chapter to verse 54 and finish this chapter tonight. All right, with this, I have our outline. Our outline has three headings, and number one is the sin revealed, number two, the serious rebuke, and number three, the sad response. So that's essentially what we're going to see in this chapter. So let's begin with number one in our outline, the sin revealed, the sin revealed. Now here, if you're taking notes, we're going to be covering verse 37 through 41 in this section. But first of all, let's take a look at verse 37 and verse 38. It reads here, while Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. So we'll stop there. Now, we begin in our passage here tonight with Jesus being invited to dinner at this Pharisee's house. You know, the Pharisees were one of the groups of the religious leaders. We had Pharisees, Sadducees, and Zealots, and Essenes. And there's different groups in really the political leadership of, of Israel there who was under Rome. Rome allowed these guys to, to, to rule, basically. But this is one of the, the religious leaders, priests, they were, and all. So he got invited to dinner at this Pharisee's house. And as was custom there, we read here in verse 1, he went in and reclined at 
the table there. And, and, and when they're talking about reclining, I mean, you might picture like after you eat, you're like kicking back, picking your teeth with a toothpick or something. No, actually, that's how they ate dinner. The tables are really low, like Japanese style, and they would actually lean, recline on one arm and take their other arm, take the food, and they would dip it into the sauces and eat. So that's what it meant. Basically, they were eating. So Jesus got invited to eat uh, at this Pharisee's out for house at dinner. He went in there, and they, they were eating dinner at this time. Well, the Pharisee made this observation. He was astonished, and the word really talks about he was shocked. Like, shocked, what? To see that Jesus, he did not first wash before dinner. Now, perhaps that's what your mom told you, yeah. Hey, you didn't wash your hands before you ate or something. But it's not about personal hygiene here. It's nothing about that. What it's really about is a ritual washing that the Pharisees and, and all the rabbis back then, the religious leaders, would go through. See, a rabbi would never eat before being ritually clean because he might have touched something unclean while he was outside. So he got to come in. He got to have a ritual washing and cleansing of this, this, uh, this uncleanness. And then he could go and eat dinner. So it was all about that. So what this Pharisee did not observe Jesus doing before dinner is what he did. The custom was this. Before dinner, you take, they would say, you have to take water enough to fill like one and a half eggshells, so a little, little maybe saucer. And then they would, they would pour that on, on the tip of their finger, and the water would run down the hand, both sides, and, and they would make their wrist bend so it would just drip off right at that point. And that was their, their way, their custom of cleansing uh, from anything unclean they might have touched. So they would do one hand and they would do the other hand with that little bit of water and let it run down their tip of their finger and then fall off their wrist there. Well, they, the Pharisee didn't see this with Jesus. She, he didn't do that. You know what? They do this before dinner, but some of the real strict guys, the guys who are all uh, crazy about this, they did this ritual between every course in the meal, like, you know, between the salad and the, and the main dish or the appetizer and all. Yeah, every time because, oh, they want to make sure they were clean. So this is what the Pharisee is all shocked about. Whoa, Jesus, what? You, you never went through the ritual cleansing. What's going on? Well, now look at verse 39 through 41. And the Lord, Jesus, said to him, Now, you Pharisees, cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also, but give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. So we'll stop there. Now, Jesus responds here. He, he, he knows what this Pharisee is thinking. Maybe this Pharisee is whispering to his Pharisee friend, or maybe, you know, he's doing it under his breath. Wow, I can't believe that. But Jesus knows. I mean, he's God, right? So he understands what's going on, and he, he can receive that. So he actually responds to what this Pharisee is all shocked about. And so basically he's like, you guys are about cleaning the outside of the cup and dish. I mean, what he's saying is your concern is only focused on how you look on the outside. That's really the idea here. 
But Jesus is saying the greater issue is the inside, right? Where that's where the dirt really is. That's really what needs cleansing here. And then he tells them what they need cleansing on the inside. He says at the end of verse uh, 39, right? He says, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. So they're full of greed. I mean, I mean the, 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 the ritual cleansing on the outside, that, that was nothing to do on the inside. It was just on the outside. And they were all into money. They're all, all into wanting more money. That's what Jesus was saying. That's what's going on on the inside. You've got to take care of that. And then he also said that there's wickedness here in verse 39. Well, that means there's evil inside there. There's, there's sin not dealt with. There's, um, and we know these Pharisees were real selfish, right? Real just self-seeking and doing things for their own self-gain. So that's what Jesus is talking about. So Jesus says, look, you guys are greedy. You're full of this wickedness. You know what you ought to do? You ought to give alms those things uh, that are within. In other words, the money you hold on to inside, you ought to give. You ought to, you, you ought to give out. Because uh, you're not doing that. All you're doing is keeping. That's what's wrong. Keeping it. And that's what's wrong. So if you want to be really clean, both on the outside and the, and the inside, then you should give. That's what you are to do. And if you do that, then everything is clean. Your ritual out, outside cleansing and inside of your heart. So Jesus really brings up this issue. The Pharisees were all about keeping the outside image and neglected what's inside the heart. B. Barton wrote this in his commentary. He is concerned not only about what you do, but also about who you are. And I like that. Now there's Jesus' concern for these guys, not just about what you guys are doing, the ritual cleansing, but who you are, who you are on the inside. So this is the sin revealed. This is what Jesus is putting forth here. And, and this is what he's putting out. This is the point. The outside, the outside look means nothing unless the inside is right with God. The outside look means nothing unless the inside is right with God. That, that, that's the basic thing that he's putting forth here that they need to work on. I was reading years ago, a man was convicted um, of murdering 10 people and they had caught him like 20, 30 years later. But this was back in 74, 1974, 1991. But you know what the shock was? This man, he's the president of the Congregational Council at Christ Lutheran Church in Kansas. On the outside, he, he looked all oh, godly, holy, everything. But on the inside, oh, he was wicked and he even did those acts behind him. So it was all a masquerade, this guy. And, and this, this is what uh, uh, Jesus is saying to the Pharisees. You guys are just masquerading godliness and holiness here. You know, I wonder how many people that really look good and really godly, but they're really not. Jesus is saying the outside look means nothing unless the inside is right with God. So these were the Pharisees in this spiritual masquerade. So, number one, that's the sin revealed. Let's go to number two in outline. The serious rebuke. The serious rebuke. And here we're going to cover verse 42 through 52. You know, you're welcome to come in if you want. 
There's a little chair. Oh, okay. <laughs> so anyway, I didn't want you to think you weren't welcome. So. <laughs> anyway, this will cover verse 42 through 52 in our second section here. Now, um, Jesus gives this serious rebuke. First, we're going to see to the Pharisees. And next to what is mentioned here, the lawyers, or I call them the scribes. That's another word for them. So, first, the serious rebuke. Uh, we have three woes now, this is called. Three woes for the Pharisees. And let me give you the first one. Number one is woe for majoring on the minors. This is the first thing he's going to give. Number one, woe for majoring on the minors. So look at verse 42. It says, But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and what's that? rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. So, first of all, Jesus says woe. Well, the word woe really is talking about sorrow and judgment. Sorrow and judgment. And... Um, uh, it's really expressing like condemnation, like there's, you know, they're, they're condemned for what they're doing. So when, when you hear or read Jesus saying, whoa, which you're going to see a lot, it's not like, whoa, horsey, or like, you know, like, like, whoa, but it's more like, whoa, you know, like sorrow, judgment upon you. So this, this is really what we're seeing here. Jesus is speaking, right? So this is God talking to them about what's going on. This is God's view, really, to condemn them. But understand this. When he's saying this, he's not just pointing a finger, saying, whoa, whoa, to you, and condemning. But you know, and he's really trying to reach their heart. That's what I believe. They have a hard, hard heart, so he's going to have to be straight with them, straight talk with them. So, woe to you guys, he says, that how these Pharisees, you tithe mint and rue and, and every herb so in other words you're so meticulous to tithe like 10 percent uh give to the lord every tiny leaf every tiny spice everything they're, they're they were they're super meticulous even with seeds and things they would count out the seeds and make sure that it was 10 percent. and they're so they're so detailed in in into that they went to the extreme that's what jesus is saying you guys are so into this so extreme on this Yet, you neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. So they, they, they're so into tithing the little, little herbs and everything, but they neglect justice. They're not into that. They neglect the love of God. They're into being unfair to people and unloving toward people, but they're all into these little leaves and seeds and everything like that. Sure, Jesus is saying, you're tithing your herbs. Yeah, that, that ought to be done. That's good. But it should not be ne- doing that along with neglecting what is also important. So you see, the problem with the Pharisees was they're majoring on the minors. They weren't really focusing in what really mattered. In Micah 6, 8, it says, He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Micah 6.8. That's what's important to God. 
That's what Jesus is trying to say. You're, you're majoring on the minors. I mean, that's good you do that. But you know what's really important? Justice. Being fair. Loving one another. Showing the love of God. You know, I think we can all be like these Pharisees. We can get legalistic on others. Yeah? Emphasizing one thing and being real detailed on that. And we forget, what about being just as passionate with justice, fairness, love even? Remember, someone's coming to church and they're like, you know, they, they do this and they do that. And go, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. But I was thinking, hey, how about if you're, you're, you're so focused on this person doesn't do that and that person doesn't, does this and all this. How about being focused on grace? How about being focused on love? I mean, I, we can get so imbalanced, right? With, with, with oh, we got to follow this rule or we get our legalistic things going, but we... We get imbalanced like, well, shouldn't we have just as much passion and put just as much effort in loving someone or forgiving someone just as God has called us to do? So here's number one, woe for majoring on the minors. Number two, Jesus puts this out, woe for putting status above character. Verse 43 now, it says, Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace. So what's going on is the Pharisees, they love their position. They love being, being the high maka maka up there. They, they love the best seats like in the synagogue. They love the, up on the platform would be chairs and the chairs would face the congregation. They love to sit in that place of importance and be honored in that way to be seen on the stage. Some people are like, oh, I just want to get on the stage. I want to be seen. I want everyone to see me. And that's them. That's what these guys were. Jesus also said that you, you, you guys love the greetings in the marketplace. See, they like to go walk through the marketplace just to kind of get uh, 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 affirmation and get uh, kind of honor from people and have people say things to them. They're all dressed up in their Pharisee garb and robes and all pretty and everything with their big hats. And they start walking through and people come up and say, Oh, Rabbi, Rabbi. They bow to them. Oh, Rabbi. That's what they are into. They are into just this status here. So the problem is the Pharisees work to keep their celebrity status more than character. More than character. Warren Worsby said, reputation is what people think we are. Character is what God knows we are. I love that. I love what he said there. So number one, Jesus says, woe for majoring on the minors, woe for putting status above character. And one more, number three, woe for doing more harm than help. So look at verse 44 now. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. So Jesus here is saying people that the, the people they come in contact with them, actually, they're the ones making the people unclean. I mean, they're, they're all scared of, you know, touching a Gentile or someone who's sick, and, oh, you made me unclean. But Jesus is like flipping it around, saying, you guys are making people unclean. You guys, it's like 
walking on unmarked graves. See, the Old Testament law said that you were ritually unclean to touch a dead person or walk on a grave. Like, if you didn't know the grave was there and you kind of accidentally walked in, walked on that, then it's like, oh, you're ritually unclean. You've got to get cleansed and washed in that way. Well, that's what these Pharisees were. They, the people walk over them without knowing it. They, they, they're, they're like, Pharisees are like these unmarked graves when they, they, people come in contact around them. They're actually, the Pharisees are actually making the people unclean, so to speak. These Pharisees claim to be godly, but they're really ungodly and lead others in doing the same by putting on this spiritual masquerade, not really dealing with what's going on. So the problem is they're harming the people more than what a priest, think about what a priest should do, right? A priest should be helping people. These guys are harming them, basically. I thought this was funny. This high makamaka deacon of a church was trying to impress a class of boys. He had to teach for on Sunday. He asked them, why do people call me a Christian? Well, after a moment of silence, one young boy spoke up and said, maybe because they don't know you. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> you know, others may see the mask, but God sees past that into the heart. And that's what we got to be careful. Right? We got to work on the heart. We cannot be hypocrites here like the Pharisees are. We, 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 if we live that life, you know, it's, it's only going to do more harm than good. And you know, parents, that's something for us to really take in. I mean, I, I, I tell you, our, our kids are adults now, but oh, sometimes I think all the maybe hypocritical things I've done, I think, oh, you know, we got to be careful because the kid's going to see through it, yeah? The kid's going to see through, oh, yeah, church here, oh, praise the Lord, you know, everything like that. And at home, you're like, you know, kind of thing. You're a different person. Hey, they're going to see, see that. And we can do more harm than good. All right, so the first, the serious rebuke, three woes for the Pharisees. Well, now as Jesus goes on, now he has some woes for the scribes. And number one, for the scribes, number one, woe for complicating God's truth, for complicating God's truth. So look at verse 45 and verse 46. One of the lawyers answered him, Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. And he said, Woe to you lawyers also. Isn't that funny? For you lead, uh, sorry, for you lead people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. So, one of the lawyers didn't like the straight talk. One of the lawyers or scribes, I should say, these, these scribes or lawyers, they were, some of them were, most of them were probably Pharisees anyway, you know. But they had their certain job as lawyers, they were scribes. Basically, they were the official experts to the law. They're the theologians. They were the ones who copied scripture and, 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 and so they were all into the, the law, everything, what it said and all of that. They were scribes in that way. They, be, they were called the lawyers because of that. So they're like all offended and, and, and they're like, wait, wait, you, you know, you're, you're insulting us too talking in that way. Well, Jesus has straight talk for them too. And he says, whoa. And he talks about how they put upon people legalistic burdens 
too hard for people to bear. And they put these things out where, you know what, they don't really touch the burdens. They don't really follow them themselves. But they put all this upon the people. So the problem is the scribes made the word of God a burden by complicating it with legalism. I mean, there was the word, it was the law, but they, they, they made it into this huge thing. See, many of the legalistic rules, the customs and, and the traditions that the Jews had, they were actually man-made. It wasn't God-given. And they made it into this huge thing and it became a burden for the people. They thought this is what God required, this, this is what God wanted, but in reality they just mushroomed, they just ballooned this thing into what never what God really intended. For example, the fourth commandment, you know, the Ten Commandments, right? It is to remember the Sabbath. We understand that, right? There's six days of work, one day for rest. That's a day of rest because God rested on the seventh day. And that, that was the law. That was in the Ten Commandments that you would have to take a Sabbath. So through the centuries and through, through the years, the, the scribes and all the Pharisee guys, and they talked, and the scribes were expert on this. They got into defining, well, what is work? What is really resting? What does that really mean? What does God really want here? So they came up with all these rules on what you can do on the Sabbath day, what you cannot do on the Sabbath day, what is considered work or not. Some examples are, are this. Uh, that on the Sabbath day, you cannot carry anything heavier than one dried fig. If it's heavier than a dried fig, then that's work. Oh, you're working. You're, you, you know, you're breaking a law over here. Another example of, about the Sabbath is you cannot light a fire or oil lamp for that's work. So if you, you know, um, they didn't have matches back then, but you know, you, you take a little fire and try and light your lamp. You don't do that. You know what they do? They lit it the, before the Sabbath. And so it would run. They went all the way through the Sabbath, through the end, so they, they wouldn't have to uh, do work what was considered work. Crazy, yeah? Today now, um, to the, the real, um, the, uh, what do you call them, the, the, the Jews in Israel that, the, that are really into it, I lost the word, but um, uh, they, they won't um, turn a stove on. They won't turn a light on. So they have timers. So that, um, uh, because when you flip the switch, the electricity makes a contact and, and either makes a spark for the stove, you know, for a gas stove, or turns a light on, well, that's considered work. So to this day, uh, that's what they do. Matter of fact, when we were in Israel um, years ago, uh, there's a Sabbath elevator, they call it. So on the Sabbath day, you take that elevator, and it stops on each floor in the hotel, so you don't have to push a button because that is considered work. Crazy, Right? Or back then, another rule was this. You cannot move a chair, for you might make a rut in the dirt floor, and that would be considered plowing. So, wherever the chair is. But I can't fit, Mommy. Too bad, you know. I like this. No baths were allowed, because if you spill water and go to wipe it up, that's considered work. And then I like this one, last one. Um, there's a whole bunch here, but the last one. Women were not to look in the mirror, for they might see a gray hair and be tempted to pull it out, and that would be considered work. <laughs> I'd have to do a lot of work. Anyway, 
God never intended this, right, for the Sabbath. Not this type of legalism. And so these guys changed the truth of God, confused it. And so people were under this. Can you imagine living like this? Every little thing. Oh, no, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. I mean, that, that's a burden, right? Legalism is really a burden. So, number one, woe for complicating God's truth. Number two is woe for rejecting God's servants. Now, this is real interesting. In verse 47, it says, Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed, so you are witnesses and you consent to the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them and you build their tombs. Therefore, also the wisdom of God said, I will send their prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute, so that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between uh, the altar and sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. So Jesus says, you guys here in, in verse 47, you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. In other words, they, they're, they're into like um, decorating the tombs and making them better and putting marble on it and, and sort of honoring these prophets that have been killed by their ancestors, the fathers. And we know many of the prophets were persecuted and martyred and killed uh, just because they're speaking God's message, and at the time Israel was was not with God, so they didn't like that killed the prophets. So it looked like they're really honoring the prophets, but but really it was it's it's like Jesus saying it's like you're honoring your ancestors who who killed them because when they came to Jesus, they were just like them, yeah, this prophet among their the midst. So Jesus kind of like. You guys are being hypocritical here. You're actually, by doing this, you're consenting to what your fathers did. So the wisdom of God, he says here now in um, verse 49, therefore also the wisdom of God said, he's saying, or what God knows is that the prophets and apostles, apostles will be killed and persecuted. In other words, God knows his wisdom. He knows this, that, oh, that's going to continue to happen. And so this generation of religious leaders will be held responsible for, for what they're doing in that way. See, if, if they know that it was wrong, you know, with what their fathers did, they should know how wrong it is to reject Jesus right now, uh, reject the Messiah who's standing right now. So then Jesus says this, um, that blood of all the prophets from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation. Like They're all going to stand to condemn these guys because here's a greater one who's here, Jesus. From the blood of Abel, you remember Cain killed Abel for his right offering, all the way to Zechariah in First Chronicles 24. He was killed for his stand against sin of the religious leadership at that time. So anyway, the, the, the scribes here are no different than their fathers in, react, in rejecting God's servants for their rejecting Jesus now. That, that's the basic thing that he's saying there. You know, Jesus is right there and they're going to be condemned for rejecting him um, and that's their choice. 
That's what Jesus is really putting forth here. In 1838, G. Wilson was sentenced to hang. President Jackson gave him a pardon, but he rejected it. His case went all the way to the Supreme Court. Then Chief Justice Marshall said, A pardon is a paper, the value of which depends upon its acceptance by the person implicated. If it's refused, no pardon. George Wilson will hang. So these guys, they're, they're really condemning themselves. And the prophets are going to be there saying, Look, he was right here. You didn't listen to Jesus. You know, God sends messengers to try and help you and I. You know? We hear things on the radio or a song or, or, or a message like tonight or, 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 or a sermon. Or maybe you're talking to someone and they're sharing something like, oh, God, show me this. And it's really hitting your heart. But you know what? If you reject what God's putting out to you, it's on you, right? It's on you. So that's the idea. Woe for rejecting God's servants. And the third woe here, woe for keeping the truth from people. In verse 52 now, it says, Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. So sadly, these guys will face that sorrow and judgment um, because they have taken away the key of knowledge from the people. They're not really teaching the truth of God. They're focused more on their traditions and rules and legalism and enforcing that really than, really than the word of God. They, they turn the word into like riddles, allegories, secret meanings, all of these things. And sadly, these guys think that they have entered yeah, the special place of knowledge, but they have not entered at all all and they keep others from entering that knowledge so the scribes made it impossible to really understand the truth of god and you know why they did that because then they held the power that's why if they had the knowledge they held the power over the people they had the position you know in the middle ages before the reformation and martin luther and all that in the middle ages only the priests were allowed to read the Bible. Isn't that crazy? Because it was the holy book and people weren't holy enough. Isn't that? I, I think that's so crazy. Matter of fact, on top of that, all the services, they were conducted in, the, in Latin. And so no one really understood anything. But that was the holy language. So People did basically rituals, right? They just went there as a, as a ritual. But in the Reformation, Martin Luther came and went against all that, and he changed it all by speaking the local language, which is German. And he did services in German. You know what? He even translated a Bible into German so people could read the Bible for themselves. But that's what these guys are like. They were complicating things. They were making it so, really, they could have the power. You know, I think we got to be careful, too, not to complicate things sometimes, yeah? When we're sharing about Jesus, yeah? Where it's not about, like, oh, how much I know and, you know, how many commentaries I read or sermons, you know. But we're just sharing the love of Jesus and, and what he's done for us. And it's a simple message, but it's a great message of God's love for us. All right, well, let's finish up here. We'll come to the third heading and outline, the sad response in the rest of this chapter, verse 53 and 54. 
We've seen in the spiritual masquerade, the sin revealed, the serious rebuke, now the sad response. Verse 53, as he went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait, verse 54, for him to catch him in something he might say. How sad is this? You know, despite what Jesus said, I mean, he was being straight with these guys, and he needed to be straight because these guys had a hard head. You know? they, they had a hard heart even. And, and, and so he was straight with them, and I believe really trying to shake them up, get their attention, bring them, you know, to a place of repentance. But they didn't like how this upstart, self-proclaimed rabbi was really upping them and speaking to them like that. So they continue to press him hard, it says in verse 53, to provoke him, to speak about many things. They, want, they were lying in wait. They, they wanted him to trip up somewhere so they could catch him at his words and accuse him of blasphemy, accuse him of false doctrine, accuse him of going against you know, the teaching of Moses and all that. And so this is the sad response to Jesus' message, is to reject it. And only listen for something they can use against him. Isn't that sad? They're not really receiving what he's saying. They're not, they're not really listening to learn and grow. No, they just want to find something to flip it around against him. Do we do that sometimes? I'm just thinking about that. Yeah? We're not, sometimes we don't really listen. We, we just want to grab something so we can you know, make our point against the other person. How sad it is they just wanted to trap him. How evil that is. These supposed leaders of Israel, how sad that Jesus became a threat, you know what, to their way of life. They didn't want to lose that. To their position, to their power, the money they had. Sadly, they are more concerned for that than their eternal life their eternal welfare, and the truth of God. So our last point is this. These turned away the message from God and made their heart even more harder. That's what they did. They already had a hard heart, and Jesus was just trying to cut through all that, you know, with these straight talk. But sadly, these guys, they, they turned away the message from God and made their heart even more harder. I was reading in Central Tennessee, visitors can take tours into this deep, dark cave. And the tour guide would usually show the visitors this small little fish when it lived in that, they tell the story, it lived in that cave in the water there for generations. And the tour guide would explain how even the fish that, that have eyes, but they live without light for so long, they lost the ability to see. You know, I was thinking about that. That's like these Pharisees. We don't want to be like that. We, we, don't want, we don't want to be like the scribes here where we keep rejecting God's light and His truth for so long that we lose that ability to recognize God's truth. We lose that ability to hear God's word and to really receive the message from God. I mean, Jesus was standing right there, the Messiah, and they were blind to that. How sad is that? We don't want to be like that. I'll close with this. When um, we were over in Kuana Ridge, um, the house was like 
in between Old Haleakala and the highway. And, and so we could hear all the cars here and there on the highway. And it, it, you know, it, it was noisy. It was noisy. And we usually kept our windows open too. And even at night, and it, it would, it would, it was always you hear rrr, rrr, and cars, rrr, and we're between both, yeah, old Haleakala and the highway. But you know, I got used to it. So much so, I, 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 I stopped hearing the traffic. I stopped hearing all the noise. I mean, I mean, even I'm, sometimes if a super loud motorcycle went by or something, you know, oh, what's that? But all the other things, I, I didn't hear anymore, right? Well, now, you know, we moved over to the Pukalani Terraces and all. Oh, it's so much quieter. And, and, and that's like what I noticed at first when we moved. Like, oh, I like this. You know, I, I felt like when I was doing my devotions, I felt like, oh, I feel peace. It feels just nice, you know, be with the Lord. And, 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 and so I really noticed how quiet it was. And in the morning, you can actually hear the birds like chirping, you know, in the morning. And it, it's, it was so, it's so night, nice. I think sometimes we get so used to all the noise of the world, right, that we lose that ability to really hear God. I mean, we live in a time where we, we constantly have to have some, something grabbing our attention, you know, is it Facebook, Instagram, or watching a show, or TV, or news, and we're always on our phones, you know. It's like, it's, it's like when we're bored, like, you know, and we're always, yeah. I was talking about Sunday, right? And we lost kind of that art of just sitting quiet before the Lord. And I, I think that's what happened. We get so used to all this noise and stuff in the world, and it's just drowning out the birds singing. It's drowning out God speaking but if you could find that quiet place if you can find that place again where you can hear God's voice that's where we gotta be and you know where that comes from softening our heart softening our heart we don't want to be like these Pharisees so hard only listening for one thing not hearing God's voice and then only just going through the motions, I mean, the, the outward, you know, actions and motions, outward motions, and not really having a heart inside. So let's, don't, let's not be like these guys. Let's not put on masks. Let's be the real thing. Yeah? Let's not be like the guys only putting on the spiritual masquerade. Let's pray. God, thank you for... Lord, this passage, and God, there were some hard-hitting things that you told the Pharisees, but I know your Spirit is speaking to us, and I know that, that it's things we need to hear in our own lives, and that we need to grow in it. God, sometimes you have straight talk with us, because, God, we need straight talk, because our heart is so hard. And so, Lord, we want to soften ourselves and humble ourselves before you, God, we want to break up the hard ground, Lord, that we may hear your voice more. That maybe there was a time when we could hear your spirit so clearly. There was a time when we were so, so submitted to you and ready to do anything you wanted. There's a time when, oh, we would just weep in worship or, or we, we, we would just feel, God, that 
chicken skin when we know you're talking to us, but, but now, what is there? God, we don't want to be like these guys, the Pharisees and the scribes who ended up rejecting you, God. We don't want to be like that. Jesus, you're here right in front of us. You're here, God, speaking to us through your word. You're here in our worship. And God, we want to receive everything you have for us. So, Lord, forgive us of our hard heart, our deaf ear, our blind eyes. Heal us, God, of our hard heart, deaf ears, and blind eyes. Open our eyes and ears and our heart to how wonderful you are are God and how you love us so so much and so I pray for everyone here tonight and those connected online God that your Holy Spirit would remind them that your Holy Spirit would continue to speak to all of us in Jesus that we would sense your presence even right now God as we close and worship hear our heart we lift it up to you with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Not, not just in the outward way, God, but from deep within, from inside us, Lord. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.